0: To believe or not to believe? That is the question we are going to ask about four of the NFL's teams that are kind of in this weird place of are they good or are they not? We're going to find out in our Time to Learn segment today. And we're going to talk about how every Sunday it's going to be Saturday for the Indianapolis Colts, and we'll talk about that as well. And there is no one better to discuss what's going on in the NFL than my good buddy, Pro Football Network Senior NFL Analyst, Mr. Trey Wingo.
1: Well, first of all, just let me take a minute and just acknowledge what you just did. Yeah. Suddenly, every football Sunday, it's Saturday. Chef's kiss good,
0: Brett. Trey, you are uh, rubbing off on me, man. We've done enough work <laughs> together where I feel like uh, I am I need to impress you every
1: week now. Please don't, because that's that sounds really weird and yeah. not cool at all. So don't yeah. do that. Let's right. just have a conversation.
0: That's uh, that's how we got Bucca Brady's, but we won't go there. So
1: <laughs> let's,
0: uh, let's get into our first segment. As always, we kick it off with time to learn because every week in this league there is something to learn about. And uh, Trey, we've been doing true or false through the you know the second quarter of our season. We're entering yeah. the third quarter of our season, so we're gonna switch it up a little bit. Wait, Trey, wait, can we... can we
1: just since our quarters? We're we're halfway through the season. We're right, halfway. Right. Week through nine. The week nine ended Monday night. That's it. There are 18 weeks in the regular season because of the bye, 17 games. So we yep. are halfway yep. home to getting there to the postseason.
0: That's right. We are coming out of halftime here, coming in hot. And the question is, in some of these teams, do we believe, do we doubt, or do we still <clears throat> need more with uh, nine weeks to go? And the first team up here, Trey, is the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens have been one of those teams that have had some really unfortunate losses. Um, where they've been in the lead by double digits I think in every game at some point this year Um, and yet they are six and three so the question Trey is do you believe in them as a contender do you doubt them as a contender or do you need to see
1: more I believe in them as a contender although with a caveat as long as Josh Allen's elbow is not horrendously effed up I believe in them as a contender as in the third best team potentially with Miami in the AFC so like there are qualifiers there, right? I don't think it's a great stretch to say that the top two teams, if everybody's good, are the Bills and the Chiefs in the AFC. And then we have Miami and everything that's been explosive with them and, and Tua with Jalen Waddell and Tyreek, who's rewriting the record books. And then you have Baltimore. Baltimore got really good with Roquan Smith, which cost them nothing. Literally nothing. Uh, you know, they're gonna get Mark Andrews back. Um, so, uh, Rashad Bateman is lost for the year, but I do believe with John Harbaugh there, uh, that I I'm a believer in them being a contender in, in with the qualifier that they're a contender, but they're not as good as either the bills or the chiefs.
0: Yeah. And I, I agree with you there too. Um, there's just something missing from that team that the, the chiefs and bills had, or have excuse me, let me ask you this because we're, the Bills are not a team we're necessarily questioning or doubting here. But you did mention his his elbow injury. Um, it looked like he practiced today, Trey. Did you see that he had a? I think he came out of practice with a brace on. Um, yeah. Weird to think about quarterbacks with UCL injuries. That's that Tommy
1: John injury, right? That we see with baseball pitchers. Well, yeah, that that's the worst-case scenario, right? Like yeah. the worst-case scenario for for those that don't know, the ulnar collateral nerve, which by the way, very difficult to say, ulnar <laughs> collateral nerve. That's why I go with UCL, just yeah, call it a UCL. <laughs> like if you look at the the play that he injured it on, yeah. is he was really torqued as far back as he could be and Hoff hit him right here and then it went forward. Um he's had this injury before. So oh, I did thing. not he know really that. Done. Yeah, he he had this in 2018 and he missed four games. Oh, so okay. his rookie year of 2018, he missed four games with the UCL injury to his right elbow. So that's the bigger like sort of flag for me. Yeah. In, in, in that we have dealt with this before and it sidelined him for four games. They're calling it a sprain. By the way, you know, that's one of those words we use in the NFL. Oh, it's a it's a knee sprain. It's a ligament sprain. <laughs> That's just a degree of a tear. That's right. Okay. So let's it's let's torn. be a hot yeah, let's, let's be hundred percent clear about this. Yep. When they call it a sprain, that's a mild way of saying there's a tear in the ligament. Yep. And the question then becomes is how torn is the ligament? Is it really bad? Is it slightly torn? Is it middle torn? <laughs> and that would indicate what's going on. Yeah. He's listed as day-to-day. It's not about a pain thing. Okay. It's not about managing the pain. He can either play because he can grip the football or he can't. It's that simple. And and Sean McDermott and the Bills are calling him day-to-day, and it's unclear whether or not he'll be there Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock in Buffalo when they take on the Minnesota Vikings, which, by the way, really interesting game if you think about it because Buffalo right now is the number one seed in the AFC and Minnesota is the number two seed in the NFC. Uh, Potential Super Bowl showdown – but it changes dramatically based on whether or not a Josh Allen can play. And if he does play how effective he can be.
0: Well, look, that's the perfect segue into the next team I want to talk about Trey, because the Minnesota Vikings, okay. Are a team that are, as you mentioned, they are right behind the Philadelphia Eagles having lost only one game this season. But I think we said it, or you said it on the show last week, at no point have they had a victory where you go, man, this team is kicking ass today. Yeah. And so the question I have for you is, do you believe in the Minnesota Vikings as the number mm-hmm. two seed? Do you have
1: doubts, or do you think we still need to see more? It's a great question, and I think you, you have to look at it based on the data, right? They have won six straight games by eight points or less, which ties for the second longest streak in the history of the NFL. Uh, the only team that's done better was the 2020 Chiefs. Who won seven straight games uh, by eight points or less in the year they went to their second straight Super Bowl appearance before losing uh, to Tom Brady and the, or I'm sorry, the Bucca Brady's uh, <laughs> in, in Super Bowl 55, 31 to nine. So if you're basing it on that, then yeah, I believe in them. But they do have this sort of quality of like letting off the gas. And I I really like it's not gonna happen this week because of who they're playing. I would really like to see them once just for lack of a better term choke somebody out. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah. Like we've seen we've seen Buffalo do that to Pittsburgh and Tennessee and a bunch of other people. You know, the Bills played with their food with Green Bay on that Sunday night game. They could have beaten them by any score they wanted to. They just kind of got bored. We've seen the Chiefs do that with Arizona. We've seen them do it with Tampa Bay. We've seen them do it uh with uh, uh San Francisco on the road. Like Mm -hmm. when they, when they want to dominate, they dominate. So I believe in Minnesota, but I would really like to see them not have to stress out once this season. It's not going to happen in Buffalo, regardless of what Josh Allen's situation is because uh, Buffalo is such a complete team, but I do. I would like to see them once just finish somebody sweep the leg, Danny, you know, just, (laughs) just get it over with instead of letting people hang around. So I do believe in Minnesota but I have a slight hesitation because they just haven't been able to finish anybody.
0: Yeah. And uh, Kevin O'Connell, right. uh, Joining um, other QB collective coach, Matt LaFleur over in green Bay Mm -hmm. as uh, some of the only coaches to win. What is it? Seven out of their first eight games or or, uh, going on eight out of their first nine. So we'll be interesting to see, you know, what they do there. The other team I want to, well, we got two more teams, but the next thing I want to ask you about mm. is the Seattle Seahawks, Trey. And I feel like really this, que- this question is a referendum on nine weeks into the season. What do we feel about Geno Smith? Do we believe in Geno Smith and thus the Seahawks
1: have doubts or still need to see more? I think I believe in them. Uh, they've been the most consistent team in that division. Let's just be honest about 100%. it. 100%. I mean, the, the the Cardinals are a mess. The Rams are a mess. San Francisco, when healthy, is really good. But Geno Smith and company have been the most consistent team since the jump. So I believe in them because I believe in Pete Carroll. And, you know, everyone in New York or the greater New York area wants to talk about, oh, the coach of the year race is between Brian Dayball and Robert Sala. And they're great coaches. And they've done a great job. That is 100% not true. Okay? You have what Pete Carroll is. Like, both the Giants and Jets had Geno Smith. You know what he was, and he's a totally different dude now under Pete Carroll. Then, look, you have to bring in Mike Vrabel to the conversation for Coach of the Year. Um, They didn't have a receiver with a single reception Sunday night, and somehow they still took the Chiefs to overtime before Kansas City came away to win because Patrick Mahomes is a golden God and I'll die on that hill and I'll defend it. And I'll have all, I have all the receipts. If you want to talk (laughs) about it, I have all of them. So like you can have all the quarterbacks that you like. That guy is one of one and it's not close. It's not a debate. It's not an opinion. It's a fact. Um, So when you have Mike Vrabel doing the things he's doing again, not a single wide receiver had a catch Sunday night. And somehow they took the number one scoring offense in football to overtime. So, uh, I believe in Geno. I believe in Seattle, but more importantly, I believe in how wide open the coach of the uh, year race is on, despite what people in New York want to believe.
0: Yeah, and and you made a great point. Both of those New York teams had Geno Smith. Uh, Geno Smith, excuse me, Geno Smith in their building. Geno and- Smith
1: would be a really interesting dude.
0: He he would be, and I wonder how he'd do under Pete Carroll because Gino Smith is lighting it up right now. He'd be and- better under
1: Pete Carroll.
0: <laughs> Gino Smith and Pete Carroll would be there. Better. You go. That's the that's the duo, right? Bizarro world duo, right there. <laughs> the, the thing with with Gino that is fascinating to me, Trey, is is he is uh, among the. It's not just that he's contributing noticeably to wins he's among the league leaders in so many different statistical categories um and he's doing it with an offense that historically with the great russell wilson who is finding his struggles in denver um previously
1: great russell wilson
0: (laughs) the caveat there um but that but again to your point that offense has been a languishing like uh you know just bumbling version since that that Super Bowl loss where they didn't give it to Marshawn Lynch and here's Geno Smith and all of a sudden they're lighting the league on fire scoring 30 42 points against the that they had that 50 point shootout almost with the Lions it's very very yeah, impressive yeah but that
1: was that was the Detroit Lions and I, I call them the Detroit Lions because there's no D in Detroit okay That's like, right. let's just be honest about it oh, 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 unless you play Green Bay like the, the Lions went into that game at Ford Field last week giving up an average of 36 points per game And the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, somehow found a way to score 25 points less than almost everybody else.
0: Not great, Bob. Not great. Um, Let's uh, let's finish up this segment with our final team. And it is one of those New York teams, Trey. It is the New York jets. Um, You said it last Mm -hmm. week on the show. I, I, I I find a lot of credence in it despite the win against Buffalo that Zach Wilson is someone that hopefully uh, isn't going to hold them back, but That's who they're going with. They did beat the Buffalo Bills at home. Nine weeks into the season, Trey, do you believe, do you doubt, or do we still need to see more from the New York Jets?
1: I believe in who the Jets are, and I believe in – that's the most important thing, right? For At this point in the season, the team needs to know what their identity is, and I think the Jets have figured that out. It's not about Zach Wilson. It's not about most of the people on offense. It's about a suffocating defense – and making sure your offense doesn't make mistakes. So in that sense, I believe in the Jets because they know who they are and they know how they need to win. Now, I will die on this hill that Joe Flacco is a better quarterback for the Jets right now than Zach Wilson. But what the Jets have done, to quote the late great Jim Fossil, is pushed their chips to the center of the table. They are all in on Zach Wilson for the long term. Joe Flacco is by far... By far. It's not a debate. It's not an opinion. It's not a, it's just a fact. Um, He's a better quarterback right now uh, than Zach Wilson is. But what the Jets have done by demoting him, like you couldn't have had a clearer signal to where the organization is going when they decided to demote Joe Flacco to the third quarterback behind Mike White. I wanted to ask Uh, you about that, about specifically the
0: symbolicness of that move.
1: Well, it basically says we're riding or dying with Zach Wilson because he, we invested in him. You know, we did the thing with Darnold in 2018 when we selected him third overall. That didn't work. We took him second overall in 2021, and damn it, we're going to make sure we make this happen. That's what they've done. Joe is a better quarterback. I mean, Garrett Wilson, who said it in the in the preseason, he throws a more catchable ball, right? Like that's kind of the job of the quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> but, but they are, they are all in on Zach Wilson because they've invested that. Yeah. And, you know, again, I got to get, we talked about this last week. I got to give them credit because that, that went over Buffalo saved their season. If they had lost in back-to-back weeks uh to new England and Buffalo, like all the good things that had happened with the jets so far would have been like, because, you know, it's 13 straight wins by the Patriots over the jets and, you know, uh the, uh, the Bills had been dominating them recently. They've won, they had won four straight against them. So they found a way to make it work and it saved their season and it also made them feel better about the way they're handling the quarterback hierarchy. So as they go into this week or going forward, rather, um, it's good, but you know, they have made the choice as an organization. No matter what Zach Wilson is going to be this year, we are making sure he's our guy going forward, and we don't want to do anything to disrupt him, which I always find interesting because. In every other position in football, Mostly hey man, it's I about know. competition. It's about yeah. competition. Yeah. Are you better than this guy? Or are you not better than this guy? Yeah. When it comes to quarterback, a lot of coddling, a lot of let's, coddling for the quarterback. Let's let's give him a hug. Let's wipe his <laughs> bottom and tell him he's special and different than everybody else. Yeah. And that's what um, they've done.
0: Yeah. Well, look, I, I want to be clear because you know the Jets fans will be in our mentions very very quickly here. We're not. Don't care. We are not saying that Zach Wilson will not be a good quarterback in the future. We're saying at this moment, and that's all that so matters. Joe Flacco right was now a better quarterback. Moment. It's, it's yeah.
1: just go look it up. Like go look at the number of touchdown passes, interception ratio, all those kind of things. Joe played better. He did. It's not a debate. Yeah. It's not an opinion. It's a fact.
0: All right. Well, look, as as uh, right before we get into our next segment, the great uh, Arif Hassan, who is uh, new to Pro Football Network, and we're very excited to have him here. He's going to join us. uh, But before he does that, look, all of the teams we've talked about here, guys, they are potential contenders, whether you believe or doubt. That's what they are. And you might find if you believe so, that their value to win the Super Bowl could not be better right now if you really believe in them. And you know what that means. That means to go do that. You need to go bet at Caesar Sportsbook, and make sure you're using our promo codes to go do so okay because at caesars you can place your first wager and if you lose you're going to get a hundred percent of your stake back as a free bet up to one thousand two hundred and fifty dollars that means if you believe the the vikings the ravens the seahawks <laughs> the jets are going to win the super bowl Go place the bet, because guess what? It's risk-free. If you lose, you're going to get your money back. And guess what? In addition to that, you're going to get 1,000 reward credits and 1,000 tier credits. Only happens at Caesar Sportsbook. Go redeem the promo code. It's in the comments. We post it all over our site and our Twitter feeds. PFNCZR. Promo code PFNCZR. Okay, Trey. Caesar. Yes, which is better than PFN FU or whatever we had prior to that. Um,
1: better yeah. than FU PFN. I mean, <laughs> that is know.
0: very true. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we're not. We are not advocating that at all. Um, but look, uh, Trey, we had a, a rather shocking development, I think. In, no. In, in the, NFL the hell you say. What year. are you talking about? Um, it seems like whenever there's drama in this league, it goes down in the South, baby, the dirty South. And, and this, this week was the AFC South and, and the Indianapolis Colts firing. Although up. to be
1: fair, like, like they're in the AFC South, they couldn't be more Midwest, right? Like Very true. You go, you look, you go look at where Indian, Indiana is and in Indianapolis yes. They're not south at let's, all. They're dead center of the country.
0: Let's not forget the Dallas Cowboys are playing in the NFC East while being in Dallas, Correct. Texas. So uh, to join us, because he wrote an exquisite column that we pushed out in our newsletters. It's over at ProFootballNetwork.com. Um, Arif Hassan, let's get him in here, Brian, because he wrote an incredible column for Pro Football Network discussing how unserious, quote, unquote, unserious this was, a decision by the Indianapolis Colts, Arif, Welcome to Football Insiders. I'm excited to not just have you at PFN, but to have you be a part of this show for uh, for the weeks moving forward.
2: Yeah, no, I'm excited to be here. I'm a little, uh, little upset that uh, my first appearance on the show is while I'm traveling a little bit, so you get this kind of boring background behind me. Uh, but... Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It's been it's been fun being here at Football Insiders. You know, it's been fun kind of developing content plans with all of you. And, uh, you know, just so happens that it coincided with one of the most
0: baffling football decisions I've ever seen in my life. Well, Arif, it's funny you mentioned that. Look, uh, Trey and I, uh, I say Trey and I, I met Jeff once. We did a great podcast with him for more than football. But Trey and Jeff are Jeff Saturday. That is go go back a long ways and are very close friends. But I don't know that the Indianapolis Colts could have made a more shocking uh, decision on what to do with their head coaching position. Arif, before we kick it off into a larger discussion, just give us an idea of what it is you wrote about and what readers could expect when they go read your piece at ProFootballNetwork.com.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. The The decision that the Indianapolis Colts made to to let go of Frank Reich, I think that makes sense. The decision not to go with either of their coordinators uh, as potential head coaches is a little bit more baffling. It makes a little bit of sense, but um, it is a pretty unusual move. I, I mean, g- given the nature of the problems they had, plus they had already let go one offensive coordinator, so they couldn't really hire him back to be the interim. I get it. I, I probably still would have gone with Gus Bradley
1: <laughs> or John Fox.
2: Right. Yeah, John Fox, previous head coaching experience. And and one thing that you really need, of course, is stability, I think, in these situations. And uh, John Fox is, is nothing if not stable, right? And so there are options within the building, right? But going outside of that, going outside of the structure that you have to, to hire somebody whose head coaching experience primarily consists of uh, not just high school football, but but 3A high school football, right, um, is, is baffling to me. And I went into the kind of the detail here, right? Because Uh, The issue is not, you know, whether or not Jeff Saturday is a capable person. Of course, he's capable. The issue is whether or not he is ready for uh, this kind of uh, role. I mean, by all accounts, he's one of the most intelligent people to have played football. But the, the issue is... The experience. Right. I have talked to a number of people who have, um, you know, worked PR for new head coaching staffs, you know, um, not just uh, my previous job covering the Vikings, but, you know, people who've worked in PR staffs for 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 teams across the league and new head coaches, people who've never coached, uh, you know, in the NFL at a head coaching position, um, but have coached for maybe 20 years in other capacities, offensive coordinator, quarterbacks, whatever, are always shocked and surprised at the number of responsibilities that a head coach has versus somebody like an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. And to not even have that experience as an NFL offensive coordinator, NFL quarterbacks coach, NFL quality control assistant, uh, is it, it, it does a disservice to Saturday. So the piece is primarily about you know how kind of irrational, I don't like using that word, but how irrational the decision was from Jim Irsay to, to tap Jeff Saturday. Uh, and, and how difficult things will be for Saturday, and how it, it, it represents not just an unfairness to, to Jeff Saturday, which I think it does, but to all of the coaches on the staff, to all of the coaches who have yeah. uh, worked really hard in the league uh, in order to kind of build up that resume and, and, and the credit and the, and the qualifications, but also the players. I mean, people talk about tanking all the time. You know, teams may tank, coaches might tank, players never tank, right? Uh, they, they've got so much to work for. They've got, you know, families that they have to take care of. They have obligations they mm-hmm. have to on um, themselves and their teammates. It's unfair to those players um, to to give them a, a coach who seems remarkably unprepared for the level of responsibility that lays ahead of them.
0: So Trey, I know you've, you've definitely got some thoughts on this. And I'm, as yeah. I mentioned at the top, but I, I am, I mean, take it away here. I, I know, you know, you feel, I think in, in some parts, the same way a little bit mm-hmm. here.
1: Yeah. Look, I, I need to be completely Uh, transparent here. I am, I am not unbiased when it comes to Jeff Saturday. Okay. You need to understand that. Uh, Jeff is not only a co, a former coworker of mine. He's literally, I mean, like literally one of my best friends. Like I would trust my family, my car, my house, everything I have, I would trust with Jeff Saturday. Like that's, that's the level that of of depth in our relationship okay so i need i need to be clear about that um this is not something that i just like oh i i kind of know him no i know this guy like i know him we hang out our families hang out um so that needs to be sort of the caveat under which i i give all of this information yeah i want him to succeed i want him to go in there and kick ass i want him to go out there and prove everybody wrong. I want him after this is all said and done to for people to say, "Damn. What were we thinking doubting Jeff Saturday?" But all of that being said, I can't believe they did this. Can't <laughs> believe it. Like I can't believe it, okay? Yeah. He's the first head coach in the NFL with zero collegiate coaching experience or zero NFL e- coaching experience. To be a head coach since Norm Van Brocklin got the job. I'm with sorry, the Philadelphia Eagles in the early '60s. Okay, it did not go but, well, by the way. Also true. Um, but he he was also famous for smoking darts on the sidelines. So I I respect <laughs> it. Yeah. Uh, so so I, I I just need to be clear about this. Like every fiber of my being wants this to work for Jeff. Now the other thing you need to understand is this is not something Jeff asked for. Right. This was something Jeff was asked to do. Like, as soon as I saw the announcement, I was like, hold on. (laughs) And I texted him and I just said, dude, what the hell? And his response was nothing like 12 hours to turn your life upside down. So to Which be clear, is, Trey,
0: yeah. he he
1: did not ever give you any indication
0: previously that this was like in the works for days or weeks. This literally was no, no,
1: no. Now we again total transparency yeah. here. He's yep. been a consultant with the Colts before and has done stuff for them. And you know he 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 did a great job at Hebron Christian mm-hmm. Academy outside uh outside of Atlanta, Georgia, uh, when his sons were playing there, and his son is now a, a football player at North Carolina, like Jeff was. But no, like we, we had talked abstractly about the mm. idea of him being a coach, a coach, not a head coach, a coach <laughs> at some right. point right. Uh, in college or the NFL. Literally, Jim Say called him. And Jeff's response was, why do you want me to be the head coach? It, it's, it reminds me a little bit of when Urban Meyer – Reached out to Tim Tebow to play oh. tight end last year. Okay? We talked
0: we talked at length about that, you and I.
1: Tim didn't ask for this, but he's not stupid enough to say no. Okay. And Jeff in the same way was like, Wow, why not? You know, it's not like it was something he actively campaigned for or something he was. I mean, I think on some level he, he's thought about the idea of coaching. You go look at that hilarious, awesome, uh, mic'd-up situation with Peyton Manning on a Monday night all those years ago <laughs> right, yeah. when 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 Peyton was mic'd up in the Monday night game against the Rams in which he and uh, Marvin Harrison at that point set the record for the most touchdown passes and catches by a quarterback-wide receiver combined. And they got down to the goal line against the Rams, and they, they threw it three straight times when all week long they had practiced running it. And Peyton heard Saturday bitching about the idea that they were passing it and not running it. And Peyton went over there and screamed at him, and you can't call and, the and, place. and Saturday was like, you know, you you just, you know, you can't you can't call the place. you just block. And he's like, we got to run the dang ball. Blah, blah. They went at it for ten minutes on the sidelines, and then Peyton sat down and realized, holy shit, I'm mic'd up, and everyone. You know they I mean? like it, It's one of the greatest things of all time. But to my, the, the the bigger picture, why I bring that up is that's why people like Jeff Saturday. Like he is not afraid. Now I'll tell you a great story, and we've talked about it on Half Forgotten History of My Podcast, and we might have alluded to it in More Than Football. I can't remember if we did, but when they went to Super Bowl 41, before they went there, they got had a huge team meeting with everybody uh, in the Colts when they were getting ready to play the Bears, and it was how the week was going to go and all this kind of stuff. And Peyton got up there and said, listen, this is a business trip. I don't want to deal with any family shit I don't want to hear kids <laughs> running up and down the hall on my floor. And by the way, the wives are in the building, okay, listening to this. And when Jeff told me this, he said his wife was squeezing his hand so hard, she was so angry, like the blood was pooling at the top of his fingertips. And he needed to go to, to Peyton and said, you need to chill the F out, okay, because you're about to have a mutiny on this team before we can get to Miami for the Super Bowl, which you need to win to have a legacy that you want so bad. You need to back off, bro. Like that's the respect that Jeff had in that organization with that team. So he he so was cool.
0: able to go to Peyton Manning yes. the night before the Super Bowl and, and say not, not the night
1: before was, the, like the Sunday before go? they got down to Miami. You know they were doing the, the tickets. The, the and list the hotel. of people
2: who can who can yell back at Peyton yes. Manning right is yes. very short.
1: Right, he is not afraid. Like wow. yeah. you want to have, like zero F's to give? He does. He doesn't have them. Okay. Yeah, Jim
2: Earsay made that pretty clear
1: in the presser, too, right? He does not not care. (laughs) He does not care. So that's the stature that Jeff has. Whether that translates into being a head coach in the NFL is irrelevant, quite frankly. But that's that's the level of respect. Like I was, I was at the Chiefs Colts game week three. I still yep. have no idea how the Colts beat the chiefs. Like the chiefs were begging them to take the game. And finally the Colts said, fine, we'll take it, you know, <laughs> uh, but there were more commercials uh, that weekend with Jeff Saturday in Indianapolis than Peyton Manning. Okay. Like he is a revered figure. So mm-hmm. there is a PR move to this that we have to address because the Colts have waved the white flag. We all know this. Okay. They, they benched Matt Ryan for Sam Ellinger. Okay. They fired their offensive coordinator. Sure. Then they fire Frank Reich. Like They have waved the white flag. They have decided we'd rather suck with Sam Ellinger than go 7-9-1 and one with Matt Ryan for a better draft pick and what could be a potentially very rich quarterback draft in 2023. So that's the premise. So there's two levels to this. There's the level of can Jeff be a competent head coach and how much goodwill slash PR will the hiring of Jeff Saturday bring us? Because a lot of the problems for the Indianapolis Colts have been their protection like have been their protection issues. Like the first call that Jeff uh, ever got from Jim Irsay wasn't about the head coach. He's like, how do we fix our protection problems? Because the offensive line was supposed to be a strength of the Colts. And it instead has turned out to be an absolute weakness. Quentin Nelson is not playing at the level they expected him to play. Ryan Mm -hmm. Kelly hasn't been great. Their left tackle is a swinging gate. Like he's punching tickets to the pro bowl, (laughs) even though there is no pro bowl anymore. He's punching tickets to the pro bowl skills challenge. Okay. Like he is a revolving door. Okay. Mm-hmm. They haven't been able to replace Glowinski in free agency. They tried with a rookie and it's been a disaster. So from that level, you can bring in Jeff Saturday and maybe potentially try and fix a lot of the issues right. uh, with the offensive line going forward. But what I loved about that press conference, which by the way, was supposed to be at six, then at seven 30, then it magically worked into the eight o'clock window of Monday night football. So not many people would see it. Yeah, right? Let's say, be honest. Right? Like yeah. that, that's kind of why that happened. You know, like, you know, it's like the Friday news dump in the offseason on the NFL at five o'clock. We've suspended 33 players, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just we move on. So that was part of this. But one of my favorite lines about Jeff in that press conference was, I feel like I'm drinking from a fire hydrant, yeah. which is a very sort of colloquial way of saying, I am drowning here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just trying to get sips of information and Healthy. you are water you are waterboarding me. Okay. Like
0: that's, (laughs) that's, that's,
1: that's that's what that was. And, but that's, but that's the beauty of Jeff. Like that's the candor of Jeff. Okay. You're going to get the unvarnished truth from him. Okay. Like we played golf one time, just a, a total aside. We played golf one time and he's like, whenever, I don't care who you are, president, Congress, whatever, when you go to war, friends of mine die or they come back maimed. I am never for this. Okay. Like you, I, I don't like that because you're hurting my people, people that I know and love and respect. So that's the, that's sort of the lens that he looks through in okay. everything. I mean, and, and that's an important thing to understand.
0: So he's like and, very focused on like collateral damage correct. and decision-making. And and he people is, it sounds like. Yeah.
1: Yes. He is as admirable a person as I've ever met in my life. And and I I respect the hell out of him for that. I don't know if any of that translates to him being a head coach in the NFL because yeah, I mean if you whenever if you, you real quickly whenever you hire somebody, okay whenever you hire somebody, you talk about their accolades and you talk about oh, he does this well and he's gonna bring a culture. And when you fire somebody, you know what they say he didn't win enough. So all those things that you raved about when you hired him are irrelevant because they didn't win enough. Yeah, so spot line um, I, I I want this to work. I have no idea if it will. I respect Jeff for taking on the challenge, but that doesn't mean I have any confidence that it's going to work out well for everybody.
2: Yeah. When you talk to like former players, uh, I, I recall like a specific example of Terence uh, Terrence Newman, who remarkably hard worker, right? I mean, yeah. the only way that you can be as, as a high level corner quarterback, especially at like age 37, right. Yep. Is to be a, a, a monomaniacal worker. And that, and that's what he was um he uh he got hired to be uh in assistant defensive backs coach for uh, the vikings in part because it was a way to pay him respect and also fit six cornerbacks on the roster um you know he was basically doing a favor um and that cornerback by the way chris boyd still on the roster so i guess it kind of worked out um but uh that um you know he he ended up becoming an assistant defense backs coach he stuck it out for the season and after the season he was done and you know somebody asked him like hey uh, you know, it, it seemed like you've, you're, you're a football addict, you're addicted to football, you love consuming film, you love working on football. How come you're not a coach anymore? And he's like, that work is way too much, which is like a wild thing, right? For someone like Terrence yeah. Newman to say, right? And there's obviously there's a lot of former players in the league, Kevin O'Connell, for example, you know, Sean McVay, all of them, you know, former former quarterbacks, former, uh, you know, players in the league, it's not as if, you know, these players that are playing at a high level are allergic to work, but the amount of work and the type of of work. I think that's that might be also what got to him. The type and amount of mm-hmm. work that goes into coaching and especially at an NFL organization, right? Because, you know, I all respect to the to the kids that, that that Saturday was coaching, they're part-timers, right? They're students. They 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 cannot be there in the building the entire day learning about football. They cannot be there in the building the entire day designing their meal plans and working out. Uh they 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 show up way earlier than I ever did. to to high school in the morning. And then they stay at high school way later than I ever did. So I'm not saying they don't work hard, but there's only so much time you get in the building with the kids. And now you've got full time employees whose sole job it is, is to play and learn football, right? And so you have to find a way to make sure that every minute that they have in the building makes them a better player. The same time you're doing the same thing with the coaches, you're doing the same thing with the athletic training staff, you're doing the same thing with uh, your front office and your personnel, right? And at the same time, You have obligations with public relations and PR, right? You've got obligations with the ticketing and sales department, right? And so your day starts for a lot of these coaches. And I hate the culture that has developed around coaching that, you know, coaches like sleep in the building and stuff like that. So I'm not saying that you need to be the the hardest working coach in football, right? I really hate the way that that's worked out. But a lot of these coaches show up in the building at 4.30 a.m., right? Because there's so much to do and they have planned out they're hour by hour, and sometimes in, into 15-minute chunks, right? Uh, weeks in advance, what every day is going to look like, and a lot of that is in meetings, a lot of that is in film rooms, a lot of that is solo, and a lot of that is just not what you're doing as a player, and it's not at all relevant to kind of what a lot of high school coaches, uh, you know, do. Cause, I mean, it's it's not as if I I haven't had a lot of interaction with high school coaching, right? It, it's just a different beast than what it is yeah. in the NFL, so let me, it, it is extraordinary well, what
1: they're asking. Well, 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 to that point, and and I think that's a really, really good point. It, it, is that you know, it's a it's an addiction. Okay, like mm. coaching in the NFL is an addiction. Yeah. Like I, I'll give you an example. Eric Mangini, great friend of mine as well, um, worked with him at ESPN. I work with him now in the thirty third team. Uh, you know, his kids love the fact that he wasn't coaching anymore like loved it because he was around uh, and, and he was there for them. And then he went to a, when he was working with us at ESPN at the time, then he went to a coaching clinic and I saw him a week later and I said, how'd it go? And he said, Trey, when I put the clicker in my hand, it felt like it was the finger that had been missing for two years. Like it is, it is, it is a, it's a DNA thing. Okay. It is, it is who you are. You can have a life. As a college coach, especially as a head coach, and still be very successful, mm. you can't. As an NFL head coach, like was was that a Steve Spurrier thing, right, Trey? When he- Spurrier was a joke, like he 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 couldn't handle it. He couldn't like yeah. give you the great Steve Spurrier line when he was head coach of Washington. He told Marvin Lewis, who at that point was the defensive coordinator, he said, "Yeah, Marvin, Marvin, I'm going to take the offensive players and go over here. You take the defensive players and work over there." And Marvin had to say, uh, coach, we only have 53 players. We practice together. Okay, like he didn't have a clue. Like he didn't have a clue. Like that was never going to work. Like he had that infamous line. Like I see Jim Haslett staying in the office at 4.30 in the morning. It doesn't seem to work out for him. Like Steve Spurrier was never qualified to be a head coach in the NFL because it wasn't part of his DNA. Right. It is a part of you. Like when Bill Parcells, his ex-wife whom he divorced – When he said he was going back to coach for another team, his ex-wife said, don't let it ruin your life. Don't let your health be a problem for all of this. Like these guys that are lifers in the NFL, it is part of who they are. It is in their core. It is in their blood. It is in their DNA. Even if they wanted to not do it, they couldn't not do it. Okay, it's part of their makeup. It's their biochemistry that they cannot change. Yeah. A- and Jeff, I don't know. I don't know. Like I think a part of him believes that. I think a part of him feels that way, but you you were either all in or you're all out. It's like Tom Brady this year. Are you in? <laughs> kind of yeah. or are you
2: tired? What's you and, and, and people learn that about themselves whether or not they've got the addiction when they're like a GA right? Correct. When they're being asked to do all of these impossible tasks. Not when right you've
1: become little. the head coach, <laughs> automatically.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's well, Yeah, and, and it's a different type of addiction than playing, right? It's just your job responsibilities are just different. Like You might think like, hey, I watch a lot of film as a player. I watch more film than anyone can imagine as a player. I'm going to be watching a lot yeah. of films as a head coach. It's like, it's not that. That's not it. No. Anybody can watch film. Anybody can watch film for like five, six hours. I it's do. Either, it, right? It's but, either
1: intrinsic to you or it's not. Yeah, like, exactly. So, and and, exactly. That, and, and that, you know, when I texted Jeff, I said, "So tell me about this. Is this something you really want?" And mm. I, and I feel comfortable sharing this because Jeff and I have had a very open relationship. He said, "You know what? It's something I've thought about it. Mm-hmm. It's something I've thought about, and I'm going to spend these next eight games. I think they have eight games left on the schedule. Yeah. I think they've played nine already. Um, it, I'm going to spend these next eight games figuring out if something I want to do." And the Colts are going to figure out over the next eight games if this is something they think I can do. And then after the season, if I want to do it, we'll have those further discussions. So this is very much a sort of uh, trial by combat game of yeah. things. Yes. Well, that, that's what I
0: want to. And Arif, before we let you go, and, and glad to have you, man. I can't wait to keep doing this with you during the season.
1: The- yeah, don't go anywhere, dude. We need you on the show every week. So <laughs> we'll Trey do. just
0: needs someone else to get me not being the only one. Because Fred, you know, think. I got <laughs> 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 the uh, the thing I want to ask guys, and I, I want to share your, your opinions here. This doesn't sound so much as a referendum on Jeff Saturday, or let no, me not this. at all. This should not be a referendum on Jeff Saturday. The 100%. question here:
1: He was asked to do something, and yeah, he said right. yes.
0: So, and, okay. and so when we talk about this is going to be trial by combat, Jeff is gonna is admittedly going to be taking this on and learning this as the the days go on, the weeks go on, and we can revisit in the off season. Is there a level of irresponsibility with a multi-million yes. billion dollar entertainment yes. guys here? Okay. Yes. we same thing. Like, same thoughts?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And it, it's irresponsible uh, to all of the people in the organization, from uh, the players to the equipment managers to you know people have poured their their their, <laughs> their, their life's work into making this organization run right. It, it, it's a disservice to to everybody in every department except for maybe marketing and PR. Maybe they're the only department that's going to get c- come out of this looking good or looking bad. No, they right? get a bump. They get a bump. Yeah, no yeah. Well, they're, 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 they're in the good graces. But uh, every, everybody else, you know, top to bottom, you know, is, is in a worse spot. It's, it's even a disservice to the league, right? Because all the yeah. revenue is shared. <laughs> and if you <laughs> screw up the organization, I mean, that's what's getting Snyder, right? I mean, the league didn't care oh, about everything else.
0: We didn't even get to that yet.
1: <laughs> but, look, look. let's be honest about it. We sort of, sort of haphazardly went, Past this, but there are two former head coaches on that staff. Yeah, yeah. Gus Bradley and John Fox. Yeah. And John Fox has taken two different teams as a head coach to the Super Bowl. Took Carolina Panthers there in Super Bowl 38. Uh, and he took the Denver Broncos there in Super Bowl 48. <laughs> and they got their asses kicked, but that's a separate issue. <laughs> he style. took them there. He took them there. The right. point, the point is John once Fox great is Russell won- Wilson. Yes, yeah. the, John Fox is one of the very few people in the history of the NFL as a head coach who can say I took two different teams to a Super Bowl, and yeah. we're bringing in somebody who's never been a coach in any level at the NFL. Like, yeah, I don't care. I don't care who you are. That's a slap in the in the face. That's a slap. Yeah, no, in the absolutely.
2: Face. And and the thing is, you know, there's a lot of comparisons in the presser to you know people like. Bruce Arians and Tony Dungy. And, you know, if if you had put John Fox in the position that Jeff Saturday isn't, he would not have succeeded. If Bruce Arians got his first head coaching job in, what was it, 1977 was when he got his yeah. first, like, graduates or something like that. You know, he would not have succeeded as an NFL head coach. You know, Tony Tony Dungy would not have succeeded as an NFL coach if his first job was to be the head coach of NFL. Bill Belichick. Would not have succeeded. You cannot name a coach. Joe Belichick's
1: first coaching job was a disaster as the head coach of the Cleveland right. Browns Yeah, and at that point. He had already, Bill Parcells.
2: Yeah, and he'd already racked up 10, 15 years doing like all of the the, the the quality control stuff and the defensive back stuff and then uh defensive coordinator stuff. Like yeah, absolutely, right? You know, it yeah. is impossible to be prepared as a head coach generally, period. And then it is impossible to be prepared with that NFL coaching experience.
0: Well, look, if there is anyone we're rooting for to overcome these odds, it's Jeff Saturday. Great guy. Yes. And listen to, to our audience out there. The great thing about our show, More Than Football, that, that Trey and I have done is we give you insight into into the way these guys think, the way they believe, the way they feel. And so in our comments, we've, we've dropped links to our, our sit down with Jeff Saturday, where he talked about the mindset that you need to be as a Marketing. player, the toll,
1: call by you.
0: the toll that takes uh, that football takes on you as a player, um, yeah. as somebody whose life has been devoted to the game. And we'll see how that translates to this new phase of football life uh, that he's taking on. But uh Arif, thank you so much for joining. Can't wait to see you next week to talk about whatever it is you are opining on that yeah. goes on in this reality show that is the NFL. To read Arif's full column, go to profootballnetwork.com. And I think he's got two or three more coming out later this week. So make sure you're looking out for those as well. Um, Arif, we'll talk to you next week, my friend.
1: Thanks, Arif. Always good to uh, chat for with you, me. man. Absolutely.
0: You. All right. Um Yes, so let's uh let's move on here to our our third and uh final segment. This is our favorite. Uh actually before I do that, I want to give our guy our friends at Picket a, a quick shout out here because I was supposed do to it. do that at the open. So uh with Pickett, w- what we can do is a social community for betters, join Pro Football Network on Picket, the best bet tracking app on the market, and 100 percent free. They let you track the ROI of all of your bets, my bets, Pro Football Network's bets, um, across all of the different sports books. And if you follow me, you know that all my bets are placed with Caesar Sportsbook. So the the other good thing here is you can in automatically sync the sports book. Like Caesars to make sure that all the bets you place are tracked there as well. Join Picket today using code PFN365 to win up to a hundred dollars just for downloading this one hundred percent free app. Okay, um, one day when that graphic comes up, I'll remind myself to unmute. So we're not sitting <laughs> in silence. That day is not today. Hopefully, it's next week. I was—I couldn't in.
1: figure out what was going. on. Suddenly, I was muted. You like you muted both of us. I couldn't figure that out.
0: Tune in next week to see if I get it right. That'll be my third (laughs) chance. Um, All right, let's move on to our, our third and final segment here, our Super Smash QB matchup of the week. Who does the selector have for us this week, Trey? Let's see it. All right, this is a classic rivalry in the NFL, Packers-Cowboys. The matchup is Aaron Rodgers and Dak, Pres- uh, Dak Prescott, but Trey, Aaron Rodgers has not been the Aaron Rodgers we've come to know and love. <laughs> what does this
1: matchup mean to you this week? Not much, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I mean, the Packers are done, they're toast, they're free fall. Like, Just give you an indication. like uh, Where they are and where they play matters. Right. Just to give you an example. Right now, the Vikings have a four and a half game lead in the division. OK. Why is that significant? Well, in the history of the NFL, in the history of the NFL, which goes back 100 plus years, no team has ever had a four game lead in the division and not won the division. So the Vikings have a four and a half game lead over the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers are done. They are toast. Stick a fork in them, wave the white flag. It ain't coming back, especially with the injuries. Like, you know, Romeo Dobbs got carted off, Stokes got carted off, or Sean Gary's done for the year with an ACL. The Green Bay Packers, as we knew them the last two years, are now like an NFT. It's a memory, a thing we can have and immortalize digitally. It has nothing to do with who they are this year. The Dallas Cowboys, on the other hand, their defense is remarkable. Uh, last week, actually the second half of the game against the Lions and last week against the Bears, Dak shook off the rust, and suddenly you have Gallup and Schultz and C.D. Lamb and Tony Pollard, who they should be running the offense through, uh, going very well. Zeke's supposed to be back this week, um, and they're in the market for Odell Beckham Jr. This is a matchup of one team going in one direction, and one team going in a very different direction and the quarterbacks just happen to be the thing we're focusing on.
0: Yeah. I mean, we mentioned uh, at the top, we talked about the uh, the Detroit Lions suddenly found some D for the green Bay Packers, which is, uh, which is surprising, but Trey, what's most remarkable to me and maybe a Testament to someone like a Tom Brady is well i guess let me ask you this is this aaron Rodgers falling off a cliff due to age or is this truly poor roster construction that even he can't overcome um are you a fan of guardians of the galaxy the movie best ride at disney theme parks which i was just at but i also that's not what i asked that's not
1: what i asked are you you like the
0: movie fantastic movie yeah
1: what do you want to do something good something bad bit of both (laughs) bit of both (laughs) and that's what it is yeah that's what it is the roster construction is horrendous for Green Bay and they've been able to get away with it because Aaron Rodgers is carry the one out of the five subtract three Aaron Rodgers that's right that's him but he's not Aaron Rodgers anymore not any Rodgers anymore he's not yeah and like people are going to look at that Lions game and see the wrong things okay like for example People are all over. How do you throw an interception to David Bakhtiari at the goal line? Well, let's be clear. When you're throwing a a pass to an offensive lineman, you know what you have to do? You have to baby it. You have to make it as soft as baby poop that he can catch it. Because offensive linemen have mangled, gnarled hands with tape and mitts everywhere. You want them to make it as easy as possible to catch. Aiden Hutchinson just made an unbelievable freaking instinctive play. Yeah. Like. No one's gonna think, oh, Aiden's rushing. He's gonna recognize the play and loop back underneath and pick it off. That's an amazing play by a rookie. It was so throw that one out. The other two were terrible. They yeah, were awful bad. interceptions, underthrown, not well done. Um, so you know, Aaron is not what he once was, but the receiving course sucks. Let's just be clear it sucks. Okay. So it's a little bit of both. Um, You know, Peyton Manning fell off the cliff at 38. Aaron Rodgers is around that area. Drew Brees couldn't throw it more than 10 yards his last two years in the NFL. Tom Brady is a freaking outlier. Okay. Like no one does this except Tom Brady. Yeah. No one does this. Like at 44 last year, he led the league in passing yards and passing touchdowns. Forty-four, by the way, to match his age. So, it a father time comes for everybody except Tom, who clearly is, uh, you know, drinking the blood of Satan and he's uh, the <laughs> devil's child. So, like, have you seen Tom Lilly? Like, uh, he's wearing oh. a mask. It cost him a lot of money, uh, oh, but you know. So yeah, it's a little bit of both. The Green Bay Packers have done a poor job of constructing the roster around Aaron Rodgers. But Aaron Rodgers is not as good as he once was. He may be as good once as he ever was, Toby Keith shout out. Ah, oh, nice. But he's not that dude anymore. And the Packers need to understand that.
0: The the thing that you mentioned with um with, with two of those quarterbacks, Drew Brees and um Peyton Manning, was when we saw them fall off a cliff, they were following some injuries. You know, Drew had that persistent shoulder issue. Of uh, the neck injury that had the, left the nerve Peyton. damage
1: with Peyton, like the fact it that his nerve just, regenerated yeah. at all is a freaking miracle. After yeah.
0: Um, and, you know, but we that's not the case here with Aaron Rodgers. There is no that we are aware of injury. It's the much. ayahuasca,
1: is what it is. Yeah. I didn't want
0: to say it, but I mean, you know, you pull all the other constants out, there only remains one variable. Um, okay. <laughs> Be, uh, before we we head out here, we do have uh, we do have uh, uh, some comments from the fans. Um, let's
1: go, fans! Come on, let's so go.
0: Brian Mahaffey would like to know Trey. I think because who cares what I think? Who's your pick today for offensive rookie of the year and D. Roy defensive rookie of the year?
1: Well, I think uh, D. Roy is much easier. Um, now you can uh, look. Tariq Woolen has been great for uh, uh, Seattle. So is Kobe Bryant. But Sauce Gardner is is there. Like he's the guy. Yeah. Offensive rookie of the year is very interesting right now. Like it's very there's no yeah. one player that is so just like oh, for my a minute. God.
0: It looked like both could be on the Jets, right? Until yeah. Brees Hall oh,
1: got Garrett hurt. Wilson and Brees Garrett Hall. Wilson. And but but this kid Chris Olave, who yeah. was my pick, kind of like him still. Like there's there's no one off there's no one offensive rookie that is blowing you away, right? Just hasn't happened. It's not. No, so like Brees would have been the guy, uh, but what about Kenneth? Uh, Kenneth uh, Walker, yeah. yeah, Kenneth Walker uh, in Seattle. So Kenneth Walker or maybe Chris Olave at this point. So like it's funny we had a conversation a few weeks ago that both could be for the Jets, both could potentially be for the Seahawks as well.
0: Fascinating, yeah. So all all, uh, all good, man. I I loved what Brees Hall was doing. Garrett Wilson's great. Chris Olave has become not just a a good receiver but he's very been he's been dependent dependable in those crunch times third down yep. a lot of yep. third down conversions which is just incredible for a rookie to do so we'll see how that goes Um, uh, but that's gonna wrap it for episode 10 try we're 10 episodes in to our uh football insiders we'll be back for episode 11 next week next wednesday 8 p.m Eastern standard time. We'll see what other buffoonery Dan Snyder can get into and embarrass himself and his family. We'll find out tomorrow.
1: We could find out tomorrow.
0: (laughs) Yes. Um, I just had to get that in there because that is objectively fact. So on that note, I am Brett Yaris for pro football Network, and with me as always, the one and only Mr. Trey Wingo pro football network, senior NFL analyst. We will see you next week. See you bud.